0: Welcome. This is the weekly Sunday sermon from Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. You can find us at RanchoBaptistChurch.org. This week's message by Pastor Jason Swanson, The Gospel of John, That You May Believe, The Harvest Is Now. The original date of this message was the 1st of January, 2023. Well, good morning and happy new year. Welcome to 2023 and thank you for braving the weather coming to share with us all this morning, this, the first day of, of 2023. I'm particularly excited that we get to spend this first day of the new year together because of what we're going to see in John chapter 4 this morning. As we begin a new year, we're going to look at a woman who really starts a new life. She has new desires. She has new ways about her, even a new manner. Everything seems to be new about her, and it's a, it's a good reminder to us of all that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ for those of us who know him. So what a blessing to gather together this morning and welcome in the new year through singing songs to the Lord, to one another, of his greatness, how much we need him, how wonderful he is to us, for us, on our behalf, all that he has given us. And yet, as we, we get into this, there are several, what I would say, subjects, topics that as a, as a pastor or a preacher gets into And I found this to be true as a missionary as well. That when you broach these subjects, people aren't usually too excited about it. One, missions. Why? Because people tend to have this attitude "Oh, please don't send me to Africa. Whatever he's got as the missionary, I don't want. I don't want that kind of desire to go over and and, and what if God calls me to take my family overseas. You know, I would say praise the Lord if he did that. Another topic that people generally don't like to hear is giving. Tithe. Why? Because it, it, it seems like the, the preacher is trying to, to pull at your pockets. And yet we know from God's word that we should give. I, I don't know how I'd prioritize as to top three which one's The top, which one's the bottom, but another one that's, and I I believe this is the reason all goes down to conviction, and that is witnessing. It's not something we like to hear too much about, because there's not too many of us that are doing this too often, and it's not something that we make a priority and yet it is something, oh, so clear in Scripture that we should be doing. And as we look at this woman this morning, over and over again, we're going to see the importance of witnessing and how we should be involved in witnessing and even in admonition on the part of our Lord to his disciples in the fact that they weren't witnessing and that the harvest truly is now. It's not tomorrow. And that hasn't changed in 2,000 years. My prayer is that as we dig into these verses this morning, that the, that the Lord will encourage us, challenge us, and spur us on to become more involved in the work that he wants to do in and through us as we share him with others, just as we will see in this Samaritan woman. So I have in your notes that the title is The Harvest is Now, and that is indeed the case, 27 to 42. But I want to start off in 25. I want us to be reminded again of where we've been and what we're coming from, because it has been a couple weeks, and I so much love John chapter 4 and Jesus' interaction with this Samaritan woman. First, he talks about water, and then he segues that and goes into worship a lot because of what she brings up. So we have water, worship, and what we're going to see this morning is witness. That's the result. That's what happens in the life, in the heart, and in the actions of this Samaritan woman. And may this be a, an encouragement and a challenge to us all as we look at beginning 2023 this year and what part will we play in in the Lord's work and in the Lord's will as far as with our neighbors those that work with us those part maybe at school maybe among our own family maybe just random people that nothing is random for our Lord as we're going to see he places those people right in our path just as he did with this Samaritan woman to accomplish his purposes And for his glory. So look at verse 25 as we begin our time in John chapter 4. Continuing on with this, the Samaritan woman and the discussion that she's been having with Jesus. Coming to this well, no doubt thinking the last thing she would see is a man at the well alone. Compounded by the fact the last thing she would think would happen is that he talks to her. On top of that, that he would actually ask her for water. And then their conversation would end up like this. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. That is the mindset of the Samaritans. We're going to see this played out more as as more come to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ at the end of of our time this morning, and they want Jesus to stay with them. Why? Because they wanted to ha- hear him declare these things. And notice what Jesus said to her. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I told you last time that we gathered and went through John chapter 4 that the he is in italics because it's not there. Really, what it says is, I who speak, I am pointing back to Yahweh, pointing back to the self-existing one, identifying himself as God. And then notice what happens at this particular time, concurrently, as Jesus and her are wrapping up their conversation. Look at 27. At this point, his disciples came, not a minute late, not a minute early, exactly in God's timing. And they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman, Yet no one said, what do you speak? No doubt talking to her. What what do you seek? Or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, come, see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? And they went out of the city and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to, to eat, did he? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. From that city many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word Because the word of the woman who testified, he told me all the things that I've done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. Let's pray for the preaching of God's word. Heavenly Father, we stop. We thank you for disclosing yourself to us. For not hiding your true identity. But making it oh so clear and giving us your word in our own language that we might read it and we might understand. But we recognize all too well that there are many things that we don't grasp. And the things that we do grasp, oftentimes we don't live out teach us this morning through your Holy Spirit. Allow him to be our guide, our teacher. The one who makes your word clear to us that we might leave here changed, committed to your will, desiring to do what you would have us to do, your work in this world, in each of our own little spheres, Lord. Lord, and allow your oh so sufficient, powerful, inerrant word to have its rightful impact on our hearts this morning. If there's anything that's distracting us, Lord, remove it. If there's anything that's holding us down, that's overburdening us and keeping us from seeing you this morning, allow us to give that to you that you may receive the honor and the glory. And may all that is said now be done for your praise, Lord, and the edification of your church. We love you. We thank you for this opportunity to start our our new year off together. And we pray that 2023 would be a year marked by obedience to you, a love for one another, and a love
1: for your word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
0: So notice, as I said, even as we were walking through these verses, when all of this transpires. You see, God is so amazing in his timing. In his timing in, in the beginning for Jesus waiting at the well. And the woman coming exactly when God ordained her to come. And now the disciples come. They don't come a minute too soon. They don't come a minute too late. If they had come earlier, what might have happened was that would have shut down the conversation. Surely she would have just ran away. But we don't see that to be the case. Instead, God is orchestrating everything so that she might believe, that she might hear the precious good news that Jesus Christ is indeed the Messiah, the one who is talking to you right now. I'm He. That's me. I've come to give you that, which you can receive from no other one but from me, this eternal life, this water. It isn't
1: like this well water here that'll just make you thirsty again. Do you recognize that all the people around us are starving for real truth?
0: The ones that we come in contact with, that we have interaction with, that they don't know what true, real truth is. That they need this living water from the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord wants to use us. That they might hear. That they might drink. And so what we're going to look at this morning are five questions. Five questions I want us all to not just ask ourselves right now. I want you to take this into the next week. And I want you to come back to this and I want you think to think through each one of these questions and the gravity of each one of these questions and spend some time with the Lord considering, man, okay, how would I really answer this question, Lord? The first question is this, what will I give up? What will I give up? The second is who will I tell? The third is equally convicting. What might I be missing? Fourth, is my story important enough to tell others? And all this is within the context of you and Jesus, in your relationship with him. There's no story worth telling that's yours unless Jesus is center and a part of it. And finally, is his story important enough to me? That one's a freebie. At least I think it is isn't
1: my bulletin it was. So
0: where do we start? We start with, what will I give up? And we learn this from this woman at the well. Remember, the whole reason why she's come all the way out here, some mile outside of town, at the hottest part of the day. There's a well in town. She doesn't go to that one. She comes to this one. Why? Because she's all about isolating herself. Protecting herself. The last thing she wants to do is to be shamed again and to feel that hurt and that baggage of all of these different relationships
1: and and all the stares that, that she's felt for all this time. And yet, look at the way that she responds. At this
0: point, the disciple, his disciples came, and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. We'll come back to the disciples. Yet no one said, what do you seek, or why do you speak with her? And then so matter-of-factly, all we're given is so the woman left her water pot. So can either refer to, well, because these guys just came, so now she's embarrassed and she wants to get out of there. Or so could refer back to what Jesus said in twenty-six. And her realization that who she has been talking to all along has been the coming one. Has been the Messiah. And I believe that's what the soul refers to. That's why she leaves the water pot. That's why she abandons that what she'd normally done for how many years, we don't know. See, that was her normal routine. This now is outside of the norm. How how easy is it for any of us to jump out of our normal routine? (laughs) And do that which we're not used to doing. And to do that which is difficult. I'm thinking she's thirsty. I'm thinking she hasn't filled up this water pot with water. And I'm also thinking she's not leaving because of shame about these men. There's an urgency to her. And what she's doing. Even an excitement. Other translations
1: said that she, she left Quickly. Why? She's changed. She no longer looks at this water pot the way that she did before.
0: I don't want to bring too much significance out of the the water pot,
1: but the reality is she left it. That much we know. What might you have to leave, let go of, Stop doing, change your
0: schedule in order for you to pursue Christ more in 2023. That's what this is all about. This isn't so much about the pot as it is about her heart and the heart change that has happened. And I would say on top of that, about the excitement that she has. She has found something she's never found before, and she can hardly wait to go tell someone about it, about him. And so she bails quickly. We don't see any interaction Any nonverbal communication, she looked at him, he looked at her, she looked at... You don't see any of that. We don't know. All we know is once she was there with the water pot talking, now she hears this and now she's gone. What a challenge for all of us, particularly when we're going to see what she does. Why? Because a lot of us have been been saved for many, many, many years and and, and, and we're stuck in this rut and this routine. And we're always just going back and forth in this. And we're hardly putting our head up to ask the Lord, hey, might this be one I can share Christ with? Hey, might this be one? And is this hindering me? Is this stopping me from pursuing you with all that I have? You see, I wonder if she's thinking somewhere in her mind that, that maybe, well, since the disciples are maybe they're going to leave. Maybe my time, my little little time capsule that I have here to to bring anybody to Jesus is limited. So I need to go. I I don't have time to, to worry about my water. What he is offering,
1: what he's given is so much better. And so she takes off. What might this look like for us, for you?
0: I recognize none of us are going to wells with water pots anymore. But might I say that we have very, very busy schedules? More so than, honestly, almost any other place I've gone and visited, Californians are just busy. You know what one of the coolest things was about living overseas
1: slowness you'd go to a a house a hut and they wouldn't say a thing you just
0: sit and you're like are you gonna talk am i gonna talk i've spent time in missouri you know what they're slower the way they drive is slower drives me nuts Nobody goes halfway into the middle to turn left, on, a, you know, when the light's changing. And No, no, you have to be in the back. In Idaho, I think it's against the law for you to go in the middle and turn left on the green light. You guys know what I'm talking about as it changes red? California, there's like three cars. It's totally red, but everybody's still going. It's because we're so busy. So maybe part of this for us is to pull back and go, man, can I give up a Friday night to do what? To go to this witnessing night? Oh, man, that sounds scary, Pastor Jason. (laughs) Yeah, but it's so good. Come. See what the Lord will do. How about a grace group that that the ladies are doing? Oh, man, but I'm so busy. I got all this other stuff going on. Yeah, okay. Can you prioritize something else and and put this there? You you men in an email group, you, you can join late. If you haven't done it before, Join. How about a community group? Okay, I'll I'll put a plug in for hours. It meets Monday nights. The rest of you guys are going to have to ask Pastor Shane and Eric when theirs is. Ours is Monday. You can come. Join with us. This is what we see that this woman is doing. She's letting go of this, and she's only concentrating on that. She wants to let them know what Jesus has done for her. She wants to pass off what has been given to her. Man, is that not a challenge to you?
1: That is a challenge to me. And that's just the first one. What will I give up? Number two, who will
0: I tell? Who will I tell? Who is the Lord going to bring along to me that maybe I've been missing all this time? Maybe they're there every day. At my work, at my school, wherever I'm at. Maybe they're, there. they're They're at Costco, right? And you have your little time when you go to Costco, and then then you generally have like the same person that's checking you out. Maybe at Starbucks, as you as you go through the drive-through, and you go in a certain time, and usually the same person is there. Maybe that's the person the Lord wants you to to reach. And notice what she does. She goes into the city, and then we see this emphasis on men. She goes into the city, and she tells men about what? A man that I met. Can you believe this? He knows everything that I have done. Can that be a true statement? I, I don't think she spent enough time with Jesus for him to recount everything she has ever done. But you, you know what is of most significance to her? These five men and the men that, man that she's living with now, and he told her about them. So for all intents and purposes, maybe the way she's looking at, it, looking at it, everything was made known about me
1: through him. And again, notice where she goes. She doesn't go to the women. That should be an encouragement to you.
0: That's an encouragement to me, because the women would have been hard right? The women would have been hard. They're the ones that are going to the well together that she's not part of that group. They're the ones that were probably giving her the mean looks. Going to the men is more comfortable. So do likewise. Go go to someone and witness to someone that you're comfortable to. Maybe what's more comfortable is for you
1: to witness to someone you've never met before. What, What a challenge this is. That this woman's response was to go to this city that for so
0: long she was in isolation. The last thing she wanted to do was
1: to stand up and speak publicly. But it would seem that's exactly what she is doing. What a testimony of the change in someone's life, is it not? And that is why she she says what she says. Come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it?
0: It would seem from the Greek that this form of question actually has some uncertainty to it. I don't know exactly when she gets saved, but by the time she's back with Jesus, she is indeed saved. She's a new woman. It could be that she's just putting uncertainty in the questions so that they would have some uncertainty because she doesn't want to be Jesus for them. She wants Jesus to speak on his own behalf because he is the Savior, she isn't. That's a good thing for us to remember. Take them back to Jesus. And that's what she's saying. She's saying, come and see. Do you know we've, we've seen this? John 1 39. And Jesus turned and saw them. Verse 38. Who did he see? He saw two disciples of John the Baptist. And of them, and they said, what, what do you seek? He said to them. They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? And he, Jesus, said to them, Come and you will see. But that's not the only place we see it. We see it with Philip and Nathaniel. John 1:46. Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. Come and see. Is this like the evangelist 1, 2, 3 that Jesus was promoting? No, this, this is natural. This is what Jesus said. Why? Because he wanted people to come and see and hear and understand who he was. And as people came to know him as the Savior, what would they do? They would just say, Him. Hey, I I don't know the answer to all your questions, but he does. So come and see. She knew exactly where to go and who to speak to. Who has God placed in your path? And notice this too. Did I miss something somewhere? Jesus doesn't tell her to do this. He doesn't say, now go. No, this is all of her own accord. This is what he has placed upon her heart. I believe because she has a heart for those people. Do do we have hearts of compassion for our neighbors, for those around us, that they would have what we have? I believe that's what's stemming some of this urgency on her part, to go and to let them know even though this would be incredibly difficult for her. As a woman speaking to men, okay, she's not speaking to the other women, but this is still a hard thing to do. So first, what will I give up in order that I may urgently seek him with all that I am? Who will I tell? Who has God placed in my path that he wants to use me as his spokesman for Third, what might I be missing? Oh, and this is this is convicting. Because we're talking about ones that have gone with him, that have ministered. If you remember, we we had heard earlier in John chapter 4 that these disciples were what? They were the ones doing the baptizing. These aren't guys that just showed up yesterday. These are guys that are ministering with Christ. And yet what we see is they miss it. They miss something huge.
1: And if we're not careful, we might miss it as well. Look at verses,
0: really, 31 all the way to 38. So we see that as Jesus and her are finishing up their conversation, they heard it. Do you think maybe they heard him say, I am? Maybe that's why they didn't answer, why they only thought it. Or perhaps they were waiting for her to leave, and then they could jump right in. But notice they don't jump right in. Instead, they go where you and I would go. Hey, we brought you some food. Are you going to eat this? Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. And as Jesus does so often, he, he could have made this easy. Okay, sweet. Yeah, let's eat. No, he wants to use this as an opportunity to teach them to broaden their perspective. Why? Because their view of God and salvation was too small. Is your view of God too small as to who he can save and who he can't save? Do you pick and choose for God? Oh, no,
1: I couldn't, no, I couldn't share that person. I've already tried. They hate Christ. But, but notice... He says to them, I have food to eat that you do not know
0: about. I have been given something that you haven't. I have knowledge that you don't. And the disciples miss it. They don't understand. They take him literally when he's speaking figuratively. This is a metaphor. I have food to eat. He's not talking about literal food, he's talking about the will and the work of God. Hey, don't you guys get it? I'm not about water, I'm about this woman and her eternal soul. Her eternal salvation. That's what I'm all about. And are you kidding me? This was the best conversation I've had all day long. I don't need food right now. My food, verse 34, is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And then he goes in deeper and now he goes to harvest. He goes to planting. He goes to farming, things they would know. And he lets them know the harvest is now. And it doesn't matter whether you're planting or harvesting. They coincide with one another. And you plant as though right now is the time of harvest. Because yes, I know in normal planting it would take four months. Sometimes it would take six months. Four months was a a quick harvest. But Jesus is saying, blot that all out of your mind. Recognize that the will of the Father is that he would save many And you don't know if you're going to be the one who is reaping the harvest or if you're the one planting. But on both sides, we see that they experience joy. So that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together, verse 36. That doesn't make sense. I've done planting and I've done reaping in Papua New Guinea. I've watched them do it. It is so much more difficult to do the planting, especially if the soil's hard and rocky. You go out and you're harvesting, are you kidding me? That's a good time. The whole village would go crazy when the stuff called tone would come into season. And it was it was like this magical fruit that was so yummy. And that's all they'd eat for like three, four, five weeks. I can't even explain it to you. I don't know what it is, but it's really, really good. It's kind of like a grape, but sweeter. But what's more difficult? Oh, the planting. Compared to harvesting, the harvesting is what you love. Jesus is saying no. They're both great. They both bring great rejoicing. Why? Because of eternity.
1: Because of what is at stake and what happens when someone believes. But notice, they're missing it. Why?
0: Because at this very time, the woman that he has been ministering to is in town, sharing the gospel, pointing them to Jesus. And do you know where these guys just came from? They just came from town. They were just there. No doubt they probably saw some of the very men that she is now telling them, hey, come and see a man who knows everything about me. I believe he's the Messiah. He's the Savior. This is where the disciples were. And Jesus is letting them know, hey, they were right in front of your very noses, but you didn't look at it as an opportunity. Why? Because you are too narrow-minded. You need to recognize that you must make people a priority. That's another takeaway that we get from the Lord here. Make people a priority. Are you making people a priority in this coming year? In the schedules that you keep? Or are you making all these things a priority instead of people? Do you recognize how people-oriented Jesus Christ was and all that he did? Even here, he stops and he's ministering to the disciples. That's being people-oriented. What do we do? We try to kind of shortchange discussions unless it's intriguing to us so we can move on instead of just engaging and loving on people. So we see him using this as an opportunity to expand the understanding of his disciples
1: that these very ones here too should hear. Because this is the heartbeat of our God. So what's the lesson that we can learn from
0: these disciples? That we shouldn't ever discount someone as being too far gone. That we shouldn't judge a book, so to speak, by its cover. That we don't know
1: what the purpose is that God has placed these people in our path. But that we should be faithful. Oh, that we would learn to desire the Lord's will in our lives
0: like Jesus did. There's many things that I would say would keep me from thinking about eating. This wouldn't be the case for me, but there are some in my family that this would be the case. Puzzles. Particularly this time of year. Maybe you're like this. You get out the 2,000, 3,000, and maybe you're like the 5,000-piece puzzle person. And you get into a puzzle, and everything else disappears. You're not thinking about food. You're not thinking about anything, and boom, that, that's all that you're thinking about. Or maybe for you, it's woodworking. And, and on Saturdays, you go into your shop, and you begin working, and your wife comes in eight hours later. Hello? What are you all? Oh, you've just been zoned into this particular project and wanting to get it done that you didn't even think about food. I, I, I could see myself doing that with surfing. Sometimes when the waves are just glassy and beautiful and there's not a whole bunch of people out, I'm just out with my boys. Are you kidding me? I'll put off food. I'll put off water. I'll surf for another three or four hours if I'm in shape. But this, what Jesus is talking about is, is not the physical things. He's talking about for spiritual gain. He, he's not thinking about food or water. He's only thinking about the eternal state of this woman who he's teaching And in a broader picture, the Samaritan, those people themselves, as a nation, he wants them to believe. He wants them to be welcomed into his kingdom. This is a harvest not of grain, not of corn. This is a harvest of souls. And that's what Jesus is trying to communicate
1: And notice in this, with this whole perspective on planting
0: and, and, and reaping, how cool is this? When you consider what Jesus is saying, that, hey, right now you guys are doing things, you're, you're enjoying this labor that, that you didn't labor for. Others labored, but you're enjoying the benefits of their labor. He could be pointing back to earlier in John 4 where, where guys were being baptized. We, we don't know exactly exactly could be pointing back to John the Baptist and and how John the Baptist went first and pointed everybody to the coming one, and then Jesus came. And as Jesus shares, then many believe, and then his boys baptized. Maybe he's pointing to that. We don't know, but the point is that it's all worth it and that we shouldn't ever put off sharing Christ thinking that there's a better time tomorrow. There isn't a better time tomorrow. In fact, there are times when when some work and work and work and they plant and they plant and they plant and there isn't hardly any harvest. There were missionaries in in Papua New Guinea that worked in a different place in New Guinea, a whole different region called the Highlands. The languages there are really difficult. And sometimes people would spend 15 years just learning the language so they could share the gospel. And by the time they shared the gospel, the people were like... "Mm -hmm." I don't want that. I'd rather keep doing my coffee and making money like that than what you have to offer me. And so then you'd get one believer out of 15 years of language study than 10 years of, of discipleship. Maybe a handful of believers. Is that worth it? In God's economy, that is. Because you don't know what those five believers are going to do to that whole valley in Papua New Guinea. You don't know what a small little tribe like Siawi, where we ministered, what that is going to do as far as Sotomi people, the Anu people, the Amto people, and all these other language groups that were reached through our tribe, all to God's glory. Not because this tribe is great and big and huge. Are you kidding? It's small but because of what God does in the heart and life of people. Think about the apostles. How many churches did they see plant? Not nearly as many as we see now. They had no idea. And what is so, so encouraging for us is that nothing, no work for Christ... No gospel preached, no great undertaking done for the sake of Christ is ever wasted. It will ever fail. If we don't see the result of our labors now, that's okay because others will. And we give that to the Lord. And sometimes by His wonderful grace, when you share the gospel with someone, they believe right there and then. And other times, you are just one of many. And that's where it's a little difficult to say exactly when this woman gets saved, but I I believe she is indeed saved because she's pointing them to the Savior. And that's where we come up with number four. What will I give up? Who will I tell? What might I be missing? And number four, is my story important enough to tell others? Maybe you don't think your story is important enough to tell others. It is as if it's about Jesus and how he changed you, how he saved you. And how he's given you purpose. Look at what we see in verse 39. We see kind of a double-fold gospel presentation. One comes from this woman in her own personal testimony. The second comes from Christ alone, through his own words. And I would say, which one is it? Both and. You share your testimony about what the Lord Jesus Christ has done in your life as a way to step into a conversation with someone, and then you use that to get into the gospel. As long as you don't make your testimony all about you so Christ isn't mentioned, it's a powerful tool in the Lord's hands. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed. Isn't this amazing in him? Because of the word of the woman who testified. Now, we don't just see many of the men. We see many of the Samaritans. So it branches out. Her influence was that great, even though she is in what we would think to be considered a harlot, maybe even a prostitute with that many men. And yet, look at how the Lord uses her. Do you think the Lord cannot use you? Remember, it's not about you. It's about him. And what he is going to accomplish through you. Think about her. How much knowledge did she have? How much did she really know about Jesus? Not a whole lot. She'd only talked with him for so long at at the well. And yet she spoke on behalf of whatever knowledge she did have. And that was good with her. That should be good for you. You don't have a seminary degree? That's okay. You don't know Greek? That's fine. Don't mention Greek. You don't know the ins and outs of all the theological issues? Don't mention them. Let them know how Jesus saved you and what your life was like before and what your life is like now. Make him be the center of it and share with them his truth. That he is the only way to the Father. A changed life is a weapon in the Lord's hand. We, we see it in the life of the Apostle Paul. He went to his testimony a lot as he was sharing with kings and with all sorts of different people. But notice, she, she doesn't seem to get into all the details. Don't get into all the details of the way, oh, yes, I used to do this and do this and do this. No, then you become the hero of your own testimony. Let Christ be the hero.
1: That's where she goes. She points to Jesus as the Savior. And
0: then what does she do? She brought people to Jesus. That's what we must do. Bring people to Jesus, and then they have an opportunity to hear from him, which is the the final question for us this morning, which really is the biggest one. Because all the other ones will just fail unless you really believe this. And you actually consider this to be of utmost significance. Is his story important enough to me? Do I really consider his story that important? Do I really believe it is the difference between life and death? And if so, then you'll think of it often and you'll speak of it more. Many more believed. Why? Because of his word. Isn't that sweet? Both and. Some were saved just through her witness, her bold witness, her courageous witness. And praise the Lord. But many more were saved through Jesus, through him making himself available to stay with them for another two days. That might mean that when you're talking with your neighbor, that instead of running off to this or that, you let the conversation go just a couple little bit more minutes longer. I know it's difficult for me too. But that might be exactly the opportunity that the Lord is going to present us to share his truth, to invite them, let's say to church, and come and see Jesus. Come and hear what what I hear on Sundays. Come and join in on the fellowship that we have. Could you share that with an unsaved person? Totally. And
1: maybe they'll say, sure, when with that? And we never know what the Lord's going to do. It's one thing
0: for us to talk about what Jesus has done in our lives, and it's an entirely different thing to bring out his word. We don't ever want to talk with someone about the Lord and witness to them unless we use Scripture. That's why we use John 14, 6, why we memorize it, put it in our back pocket, so to speak, so we can bring it out. For I say to you truly, truly, What? I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through what? Through me. It's an exclusive claim. There's not many ways to heaven. There's only one. And I didn't say that. Jesus said that. And Jesus also said this, which gives me so much hope in John 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has what? Has eternal life and has passed out of death into life. That's the guarantee. That's the
1: hope that we have. That's what we can pass on to others. And notice how they
0: describe Jesus. In verse 42, let me wrap things up with this, or maybe one other thing. This is so sweet. We don't see this in Scripture, but two places, both by John. Here and then
1: in 1 John chapter 4. Verse 14, it's, it's this, what they call him.
0: For we have heard for ourselves and know that this one, speaking of Jesus, is indeed the Savior of the world. They're saying, hey, we recognize what you said to her, Jesus, that it's coming through the, the Jewish people. That's where the truth comes from. That's where the Savior's coming from. But now we recognize oh so clearly that the Savior, you, the Savior, isn't just for the nation of Israel. That's why you were talking with her about worship and how worship isn't limited to doing it on this mountain, our mountain, Gerizim, or their mountain, Mount Jerusalem. But it's greater than that because what you have done, you have made a way for all to come to salvation, the entire world. Not just of one people, but all peoples, nations, tribes, tongues. And this is what we see throughout history from this point on, right? Particularly in the book of Acts as the gospel is launched forth, that people are saved from every walk of life, from every tribe, tongue, nation. And that is what God is all about. That's what Jesus is all about. And the Samaritans get this. What is so amazing about this is they get this when the Jews really didn't get this. And the Jews had more. You see, the Jews had miracles. But we don't see any miracles here in Samaria. Remember, water into wine. Only a small group. And then as Jesus goes to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, Passover, and many say they believe. Why? Because of the miracles. What does Jesus say about their belief? That's not true saving faith. I don't believe their belief. They just think I'm a miracle man. I'm not their miracle man. I am the, their, I'm the Savior of the world. But here, notice, they, they don't get any of that extras, so to speak. They get Jesus, and they get his word, and that's all that they need. That's all you and I need. It's him and him alone. But I would say that in this, we see even more of a miracle, the greatest miracle ever, the salvation of a soul, the changing of a soul, one going from darkness into light, one who was dead that is now alive, raised in Christ, when they believe in Jesus. And it's not just this woman anymore, and it's not just those that she came in contact with. Now it just keeps mushrooming out bigger and bigger and bigger. And we don't know that what Jesus meant to the disciples earlier about laboring, or not laboring, but enjoying the the fruit and the harvest, meant that they actually baptized all these guys. Can you imagine? Wait a minute, Jesus. We, We don't know. We're not told what happens. We just know that this is God's heartbeat. And this is what he wants us to be involved in. And you want some added encouragement? Here's the added encouragement think about who we're talking
1: about and who the Lord used. She, no doubt, is the
0: the smallest among the smallest because it's amazing how God uses those that are feeble and weak, the weakest of the weak, to accomplish his purposes. Over and over again, we see this in Scripture. David, long before he's a king, Long before he's this great man of God, what does he do? He takes on a huge giant, wipes him out, all for the glory of God. Not because David was anything, but because God is everything. Let's look at Mary. We, we just celebrated the birth of Christ. Ma- Mary was what? She was poor. She was young. She'd be the last one that you would think should have been the one that birthed Jesus. God is in the business of using nobodies, and that is so encouraging to me. And we see this in the Samaritan woman as well. She was a nobody who the Lord used. And the Lord wants to use us, us nobodies, for his glory and to make him known. Let me close this out in in prayer as the worship team come up. Heavenly Father, we do, we stop. And we ask that these would be more than just words on a page. That this would be more than just a story about a a woman who lived some 2,000 years ago and was changed. We ask that you
1: would make her story our story. That you would work in each of us, that
0: this coming up year in 2023, that we would be all about your will and your work that we would share you more with others, Lord, that you would use us in this church, everyone that's gathered this morning here, Lord, that we would would bust out of our comfort zones, that we'd invite our neighbors to come to church, that we'd reach out to those that you put in our path to share of you, to point them to you, and to say to them, come and see, just as this woman did and how many you changed, Lord. We wait in eager anticipation of all that you will do in 2023. And we ask that you would go before us in all those things, that you would write your word upon our hearts and you would cause us to respond to your word through the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that if there is someone here that is listening that does not know you as their Savior, that they are still in the uncertain category, that they have not trusted in you fully, Lord, that you would cause that to happen now, that you would open their eyes, allow them to see
1: the need that they have for you as a sinner, as we all are sinners except for you, Lord Jesus. And that they would turn from their sin and their own way of trying to earn their way to heaven
0: into a right relationship and right standing before you, they would turn from all of that and they would accept your free gift of salvation that was paid at such a crazy price of you, Lord Jesus, dying on the cross. They would trust in you. We rejoice that because of what you did on the cross, we will spend forever with you in eternity
1: and the new life that you give because you conquered the grave. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.